This is Life Change Church, Muskegon. What are you doing while you listen? Driving, mowing the lawn, folding the laundry, multitasking? We're so glad you're here. Subscribe and share this weekly podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or at mylifechangechurch.tv. Join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11.30, or catch us on Facebook Live. Here's Pastor Ron Rands. I want to give you um, a little bit kind of a, a heads up. I know many of you are probably following us online right now too, so I'm going to get you caught up. Last week we talked about uh, acknowledgement, and that was the beginning of worship, but it's also the beginning of path of victory. Today I want to uh, share with you, really, this whole series that I'm about to speak in this three-week series, I believe is a summation of why this church is called Life Change Church. I believe it's a picture of how, you know, all the messages that God can give to us and all the messages that I've given over 20-some years could be summed up in these three paths. And there's a lot of messages that I could share and need to be shared, obviously, on a specific nature. But in talking about, first of all, God wants you to see him in new places. He wants you to see him. So, you know, many of us will, will take on a new journey in our life. Maybe it's a child. And all of a sudden, we take on the idea and think, well, I'm going to be a dad. And God wants you to see how he is a dad so that you can literally mirror who he would be to be a dad. Or maybe it's a marriage. And you're, you, know, you want to go, I want to take on this marriage. I'm so excited about it. And God wants you to see how he is literally what a marriage is to God, a covenant marriage is to God, and that you can represent that marriage on earth. Whatever it might be, or God is a healer, God is hope. Well, the first place you always start is acknowledgement. And many of us are, are so busy about owning our problems that all we're acknowledging is the problem. And in fact, um, a few weeks ago, I had shared with you how I'd, um, I you know, had a, a, another divine moment where God saved the day. And he seems to do that a lot in my life. Saved the day with me uh, having the, you know, losing my wallet. And a FedEx guy drives all the way from the gas station, you know, from there where he see, finds my wallet and drives right to my house and drops it off. You know, and I mean, that's just, I mean, it's ridiculous on my note. I'm frustrated with, you know, my problem of leaving stuff behind me. And somebody from the church family that I just found out who it was, they thought they could help me and they could buy me a wallet with this on it. Amen. Okay. This is not what I'm going to have. This is owning the problem. Okay. And I just want to say now in a funny way is this, is that I don't want to own my problems. I want to be victorious in Christ. Amen? And some of us will go over there, and we'll, in fact, we're learning as us men. We went to, on Tuesday night, we had a, a men's event, 7 o'clock, and, and we talked about, it says, reject passivity. We as men have a struggle with passivity in our lives. And God made us to be victorious. In fact, this week we're going to be talking about accepting responsibility. He made us to be accepting responsibility. And from the very beginning of the garden, we see where Adam is blaming his wife, or and then Eve is blaming the serpent. And I mean, we just, we've, we're, we're a people that don't want to accept responsibility. We're a people that are always about being passive in our leadership, and that God has made us to be leaders in the community. If we as Christians would be leaders in the community, the world out there would want to be a part of who we are. 
the trouble is a lot of us Christians look just like the world. We reject, you know, we reject responsibility. We don't accept, we, we accept passivity in our life. And we look just like the world and they're going, well, you know what? Why do I want to give up more time of my life of, you know what, and to, to uh, another day of my life and, and I look at your life and it doesn't seem to have any more victory than my life does. That, and we learned last week about God says in Corinthians, it says that he wants, to re, he wants to spread his fragrance of who he is through your life. That's what he wants to do. And today, we're going to be talking about ownership. From acknowledgement, God wants you to come to a place of ownership of who God is in your life. That you don't, you, it's no longer, you're not tossed around, you don't, you're not having, well, maybe it could work. And we're going to be talking about burning bridges. Because I find that many people, I find it in, in even relationships, I find it even in, in sometimes work relationships, where God is trying to lead somebody to a new place in life, but they're so hung on to the old space in life, they're so hung on to it, that they, God can't bring them. They're just, it's like elasticity. They'll, they'll start stretching in the right place and they'll go right back to the old. And yet God says, behold, I want to do something new. He wants to do something new in your life. And the only way that that's going to happen is when you start taking ownership. You know, sometimes the, the longest journey you'll ever have is when God's truth comes from here to here. The longest journey you'll ever have in life is when the knowledge of who God is is from here it comes to here. See, I can acknowledge who God is. I can talk the talk. You can talk the talk. But you know what? You're walking the walk when it becomes something. That truth is in your innermost being. David said it so wonderfully. He says, I will hide thy truth in my innermost being. That's where that truth is supposed to be. And when that truth gets inside of you, then it becomes alive. I'm sharing it with my wife. I go, it's like rivers of living water come out of our lives. Rivers don't come out of this. The rivers of living water come from within us. And so if you would, in your Bibles, or, in your, or actually in your smart device or whatever you have, it'll also be on the screen, we're going to turn to Judges chapter 6. We're going to study, um, jo- we're going to study Gideon, and he's kind of our character study that we have in the Bible. And this is why I love the Bible. It's a, it's a historical place where we can do these character studies. We, we learn about principles... And then God gives us these characters in the Bible that show us these principles. And many times, he doesn't just show us when they do it right. Many times, God shows us when they do it wrong. Aren't you thankful that God didn't show, he didn't inspire the word of God with everybody that did it perfect? Because you wouldn't want to wake up in the morning and read the Bible. But you sit there and you get in the Bible and go, man, they did it wrong just like I do it wrong. And yet, then, yet at the same time, if they will stay the course with God and it goes from here to here they will win that battle. Judges chapter 6, verse 15. But the Lord Gideon replied, How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest, the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. Very passive. The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. God is putting the truth, trying to put it in his heart. Gideon replied, if you are truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it is really the Lord speaking to me. Don't go away until I come back and bring my offering to you, he answered, and I will stay here until you return. Here we are with that that journey from here to here. 
Getting hurried home, he cooked a young goat, and with a basket of flour, he baked some bread with yeast, without yeast. Then carrying the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot, he brought them out and presented them to the angel who was underneath that great tree. Then the angel of God said to him, Place the meat and the unleavened bread on this rock and pour the broth over it. And the Gideon did as he was told. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and bread with the tip of the staff in his hand. And the fire flamed up from the rock and consumed all he had brought, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he cried out, O sovereign Lord, I'm doomed. I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. It's all right, the Lord replied. Do not be afraid. You will not die. And Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and named it Yahweh Shalom, which means the Lord is peace. The altar remains in Ophrah in the land of the clan of Ebenezer to this day. That night the Lord said to Gideon, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that is seven years old. Pull down your father's altar to Baal, cut down the Asher pole standing beside it, then build an altar to the Lord your God here on the hilltop sanctuary, laying the stones carefully. Sacrifice the bull as a burnt offering on the altar, using as fuel the wood of the Asher pole you can cut down. So Gideon took the ten of, ten of his servants, did as the Lord had commanded, but he did it at night because he was afraid of the other members of his father's household and the people of the town. Early the next morning, as the people of the town began to stir, someone discovered that the altar of Baal had been broken down and that the astral pole beside it had been cut down. In their place, a new altar had been built, and on it were the remains of the bull that had been sacrificed. The people said to each other, Who did this? And after asking around and making a careful search, they learned that it was Gideon, the son of Joash. Bring out your son, the men of the town demanded Joash. He must die for destroying the altar of Baal and for cutting down the Asher pole. Now before I read verse 31, maybe you don't understand. These are, what's happening is, is God's people, they worship God, they worship Yahweh, but they also are having these other gods of worship. Baal and this Asher pole. These are high places where they begin to say, well, you know what, it can't hurt. Yes, we'll, we'll worship Jehovah, you know, the God that we recognize through Joshua and Moses. But, you know, the people of the land, they worship another God. And, you know, and, and these gods, they, they seem to have a different name. They acknowledge that this God over here is, is the, really helps with pregnancy and then this God over here really helps with prosperity. And so it can't hurt to have these other worship places they don't they're not acknowledging Yahweh as the I am he's everything that they need they're they're bringing Baal and they're bringing Asher and so what happens is is that God says look I don't want to have any other gods before me one of the first things that God taught us Moses through the people says there should be no other gods before them. There should be no other graven images. They're not following it. They're following the ways of the world. And in the Old Testament, it was different than it is in the New Testament. What I mean is, is that we have a different victory than what the old people in the Old Testament had. History tells us that they didn't have the power of Christ. They didn't have the Holy Spirit living within them. The victory didn't live inside of them. The victory could only live outside of them. So it's very important when you read the Old Testament, it's a different people in a different group in a different scenario than what you have. Yes, you can see God as a great God in history, but God is a great God. And what God was trying to do is he was separating his people because see, what would happen is, is more things like I tell my people all the time, says more things are caught than taught. 
And so God was realizing, he says, look, they're going to catch on to the false gods. They're going to catch on to all of the false images. They're going to get caught. They're going to get caught up in all this false worship. So I've got to separate my people. In the New Testament, it doesn't say that at all. Your heart is separated unto God, but you work within them. You minister within them. Hopefully you're catching on to that. So anyway, the, the point is, is that that was God's way. Well, what's happening is, here's Gideon and goes, where is the God of yesteryear? That's what we studied last week. Where's this God? I, 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 I mean, history tells us, God, that you were amazing, that you were powerful. And yet, and so Gideon has a picture of how great God is, but it's all mixed up in the culture of the world. Kind of like today. We have a picture of how great our God is, but sometimes that picture of all of a sudden, it just gets tainted in, in our experiences. And so God is trying to get the truth of how pure God is from here to here. And he says, look, you need to burn these other bridges off. I know your dad is a worshiper of, you know, of, of Astra and Baal, but I am calling your heart to worship one God and God alone. I'm, I'm calling you out, Gideon. And how many, how, almost everybody follows what their, their dad has said, especially in a good household. Now look what verse 31 tells us that this father of Gideon, but Joash shouted to the mob that confronted him, why are you defending Baal? Will you argue his case? Whoever pleads his case will be put to death by morning. If Baal truly is God, let him defend himself and destroy the one who broke down his altar. From then on, Gideon was called Jerubbabel, which means let Baal defend himself because he broke down Baal's altar. What we find here is this space of time, and we're going to be talking about this more and more, is that Gideon is beginning to have a single heart, which means God is the only way. You know the struggle with America is we're so prosperous that all we did is we created all kinds of different ways to get our, you know, our prayers answered. Instead of just Yahweh, instead of just God, like when you go, why, does it, why is there so much power in third world countries? Is it, how many of you ever been on a mission trip before? Raise your hand nice and high if you haven't been on a mission trip. You go on a mission trip, and you know, all of a sudden you go on these mission trips, and people will have these, they'll, they'll just find God, because that's the only answer they got. They don't have a doctor that's in the, you know, they don't have a doctor that's literally in the village. They don't have a bank. They don't have an ATM. They don't have any of that. And what we do is we, we, have all the, we have all the money, we have our credit card, we can do whatever we want. There is, these people have no other way than the source of God. That's where God wants us to become. He wants us to get to that space where our only source it goes from acknowledgement to ownership. You don't own who God is, is if you have all other, your fingers in every other, you know, situation. You start, well, I'm going to trust this, I'm going to trust that, I'm going to trust this, I'm going to go get this counsel, I'm going to go get this, I'm going to find this book on this subject, I'm going to, I'm going to look, I'm going to Google it, I'm going to, you are, you're not, you are so plurality in thinking until you can get to that space where you burn all that space in your thought, you're never, God is not going to mix up who he is and all of it and bring his truth. His truth is pure. His truth is holy. His truth is singular inside here. And, he's, and back then, all they had was Baal and Astra. We've got way more than that. We have a Google of places we can go with our thoughts. Somebody say, oh me. 
Nobody's going to say, oh, me. All right, all right. Number one, you need to go from acknowledgement to ownership of who God is in your life. This is a space where we will go from a child of God to an adult of God. This is where we're going to go from a place where we're, you know, somebody else is fighting for me instead of you're being the person that's fighting. This is a place where all of a sudden, you know what? You're not being picked on by the devil. You're starting to pick on the devil. I don't, I'm tired of being picked on by the devil. I think the devil should be worried about when we wake up in the morning. And the only way that's going to happen is because you ain't got no power in yourself. You're not terrifying. You're not terrifying to the devil at all. But the anointing of God and the singulars and the truth of God on the inside of you, it terrifies the enemy. God's word is established forever. And when somebody gets that word on the inside and begins to, out of the river, flow and speak that word, it will move heaven and hell. That's what will happen. Number two, this is the process where you become singular in direction. I'm going to try to get you guys, I've never done this before, but we're going we're to take it for a spin. I'm going to get you and the audience a little bit involved here, all right? In Matthew chapter 14, we find a very familiar historical moment with Jesus and Peter. During the fourth watch of the night, verse 25, Jesus went, into out, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it's me. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down on the, out of the boat, walking on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. Cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him, O ye of little faith. He said, why do you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. So I want to do this little exercise. What was it? And I'm going to ask somebody in the audience, so I'm going to ask my wife the first time. She, and we didn't, we didn't role play this, so there's no wrong answer, no right answer, all right, guys? So in, you know, I want all of you guys to listen. In this exercise, what was the singleness of heart Jesus was trying to get the disciples in that boat about? Do you remember? You know what, honey? What was a single thought that Jesus was trying to get all the disciples. No fear. That's, that's a good answer. Anybody else? Faith. That's a big word, isn't it? We can use that and spin that anyway. Okay, what was the other thing? Trust. Okay. He was trying to get Jesus. He was trying to get Peter. Let me just put it. If Jesus can walk on water, so can I. That's the single thought that Jesus was trying to get his disciples to do. He goes, if I can walk on water... You can walk on water too. Jesus has been trying to do that through it. He says, if, you could, if Jesus could heal people, if Jesus could cast out the devil, if Jesus could go over there and cast out a fever from his mother-in-law, if Jesus could go, if Jesus could do it, so can. That's the whole point of the word of God. It's the good news. It's the gospel. The gospel's meant if Jesus could do it, so can you. So then if that was the, the space of singleness, then I'm going to ask you, and so I'm going to go, so then what happened, what happened, and why did Peter sink? Fear, doubt, okay. Why did Peter sink? Anybody else? What, okay, he was using what was in his head, and what was in his head? He looked at, a, he looked at the water. Hey, I'm not supposed to be able to do this. I'm not, this is not what I'm supposed to be able to do. So he walked, and he, the minute he looked at his experience, he sank. So now tell me about your life. 
minute you look at your symptoms, you sink, or is Jesus still your healer? The minute you look at your bills, is G- are you going to sink in your bills, or is Jesus still the planner that gives you prosperity and says, I have a plan for your life. I have a directive in your life. Or is all of a sudden you're, you're, there's a, your shop closes up, like we got somebody in our office right now. Your shop closes up. Or is God still your provider? Or is the, the shop your provider? And you know what? All of a sudden they close up. They're going to move out of state. Am I going to, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Am I going to sink? Or is God still your provider? See, just getting real. It's, it's, it's one thing to read these passages. It's another thing to live it. It's another livid. How many times I find people all the time, they're owning the problem. When you own the problem, you sink. When you own God, you walk on water. That's the difference. And it takes a long time to get it from here to here. It takes a long time. And the first thing we're going to learn, what we're going to find out with Gideon is, you got to burn some space. you got to burn those bridges. you got to burn all those areas in your life that you can, you can reach out to. I mean, I guarantee you the boat looked really good to Peter. He didn't reach for the boat, though. He reached for, he reached for Jesus. And by the way, just to think about it, what if Peter was a fisherman. It would have been normal for him to reach for the boat. I, I think Peter did the, I think it's really cool is that Peter didn't reach for the boat. He was still reaching for Jesus. Number three, ownership takes the head knowledge um, head, head knowledge of acknowledgement and brings the heart level of ownership. God is trying to bring what's in Gideon, the greatness of who God is, to bring the greatness of who God is in here. And it was t- it is a, he's trying to burrow that truth. First John 4, 4 says this way, but you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Philippians 2.13, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Many of you in this room right now, you will belittle who you are in God by your experiences, by your thoughts. Well, man, I know that if Pastor Ron prayed for that or, or Elder so-and-so prayed for that, I know it would be different. And it has nothing to do with it. It's, listen to me. It's not, it, what you're saying is, is that Ron has got a, some kind of hook on God's plan. It's not what Ron has a hook on. It's who God is inside. And the same God that's in my life can be the same God that's in your life. That's what God was trying, that's what Jesus was trying to do with Peter. He says, I can walk on water, so can you. You know what? This is the perspective of getting what God's promises are from here to here. And some of you are going, well, my marriage is this, 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 it's all in trouble, and we're, all we do is fight, or, or maybe we're, we've, we've got to that place where we're not even fighting anymore. We just kind of ignore each other. It's a maiden, a butler situation. You're, all you're doing is talking about the problem. You're owning the problem. I am not going to own the problem. <laughs> I have a problem. I'll give you that. But I am not going to own the problem. I'm going to go, God, you are bigger than this, and you're greater than this, and you can set me free in this. And sometimes victory for some people in some areas is way easier than others. Don't compare. Number four, ownership burns bridges. 
If you're going to get anything out of this message today, I hope you get this part. Ownership burns bridges. One of the things I've found, and I gave this word to my daughter, and it wasn't even thinking about this message today, my um, adopted daughter. And I never really realized that many times when we are wounded, we have bridges because we don't know who we can trust. And my daughter, who was, I'm talking about my oldest adoptive daughter, who had, you know, watched, uh, in, you know, wa- watched the unraveling of her family. I mean, she was, the, she was old enough to, to kind of understand, conceptualize what was going on, and, and that there was a fire in their house, and, and her, uh, her brother, her biological brother, died in that fire. And the other brother started that fire. And so we had five children in this household, one of them to be passed on because of a fire that another um, young man started. And by the way, um, what happened is, is that the father figure, he, wanted, he couldn't deal with the pain. He went into drugs. And the mother figure went into alcohol. They just couldn't, didn't know. I mean, I get it. The pain of that had to be catastrophic in that situation. They owned the pain. They owned what they shouldn't have owned. And what they needed to do is reach out and that Jesus could be the bridge through all of that pain. Amen? And so they didn't find that. They didn't find Christ through all of it. Thanks be to God that the, the, the son of the one that started the fire now was walking with Jesus. Used to be part of the, in California, one of the wildest gangs that seen and witnessed things that, that no man should ever be a part of. Now that young man is, instead of wearing hate and, and, and you know, confusion, now is wearing Jesus all over his heart. Isn't that amazing? To the, I mean, come on, give God praise for that, you know? And, uh, but I watched my, uh, my oldest daughter struggle so much because she would not know how to burn a bridge of thought. She would trust bridges that she shouldn't trust. Relationships that she shouldn't have trusted. Those relationships, and God was going, look, I, just like Baal and Astra, Gideon, Gideon, you, I says, you've got to take and burn that bridge. And you've got to now, that area where you thought that could be a safe, I mean, if everything else fails, my daughter would see that. She says, if every other relationship fails, at least even though I know it's an unhealthy relationship, it's still there. And God says, no, I want to be that bridge. I want to be that bridge for your life. I want to be that space. Judges 6, 25 and 27. That night the Lord said to Gideon, take the second bull from your father's herd. And the one that is seven years old, pull down your father's altar to Baal. And cut down the astropole standing beside it. Then build an altar to the Lord your God here on this hilltop sanctuary. Laying the stones carefully. Sacrifice the bull as a burnt offering on the altar. Using as fuel the wood of the astropole. Which means the bridge and the situation that you trusted. That your ancestry trusted or whatever it is. You need to burn it and say there's no turning back. There's no way that Gideon could turn back to Baal. No way he could turn back to the Asher. There was no way he could go back to that old situation. He had burned that bridge. I believe so many Christians struggle in life because they, you know what, they've been wounded, they've been, they've been cut, they have drowned in their sorrow and drowned in their pain, drowned in the sea. And what happens is they don't, they, they don't know what they can trust because even that terrible bridge 
that was keeping them through their troubled times, it was still there. And they didn't see Jesus in that moment. You need to take that thing and burn that and give it over to Christ. Some of you are going to need to forgive. Some of you are going to need to start trusting. Some of you are going to start forgiving yourself. You're going to have to get rid of some shame and some things that are just literally hanging you over. These things will keep you from being victorious. They will keep you from the victory that God has called you to have. Number five, ownership is a fight that needs to be on the inside before it can ever take place on the outside. Judges 6, verse 33 through 40. Soon afterward, the armies of Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east formed an alliance against Israel, crossed the Jordan, camping in the valley of Jezreel. Then the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power. You notice why? Because what was Gideon had burned the bridge. He wasn't looking to his daddy's God. It was now he's looking to his God. I believe there are some in here right now that that even, well, well, I'm not that spiritual. It's because maybe you're hanging in the shadow of your dad or hanging in the shadow of your, or your spouse or hanging in the shadow of, of you know, you're just coming to church because it's, it's a good thing to do. Let me tell you something, that God wants a personal, dynamic, growing relationship with you. He wants to show himself mighty in your personal life. He's not a God that's looking to have grandkids. He only has kids. That's who God is. And what God does, the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power. He blew a ram's horn as a call to arms, and the men of the clan of Ebiezer came to him. He also sent messengers throughout Manasseh, Asher, and Zebulon, and Naphtali, summoning their warriors, and all of them responded. Then Gideon said to God, If you are truly going to use me to rescue Israel as you promised, Prove it to me in this way. I will put a wool fleece on this threshing floor tonight. If the fleece is wet with dew in the morning, but the ground is dry, then I will know that you are going to help me rescue Israel as you promised. And that is just what happened. When Gideon got up early the next morning, he squeezed the fleece and wrung it out, the whole blowful of water. Then Gideon said to God, please don't be angry with me, but let me make one more request. Let me use the fleece one more test. This time let the fleece remain dry while the ground around is wet with dew. So that night God did as Gideon asked. The fleece was drying the ground, but the ground was covered with dew. I want to close on this thought. Fleecing God is not always doubt. Sometimes it is doubt. A fleece means you're testing God. Saying, God, I want to know this is you. But many times in this situation specifically, what it was is that Gideon was having this truth. Power was rising up in him. He was sitting there, I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to fight these many nights. I'm ready to go. But I want to know it's still, I want to know I'm not just fighting for fighting's sake. I want to know I'm fighting for you and I'm fighting with you. Years ago, uh, this exact same thing. I've only fleeced God one time in my life. And what it means is that God, um, I already know I trust you, but you got to show a sign. You got to show a sign. And in this situation, was is that um, I was away from my family uh, in California, and I was at a, a pastoral conference. And during that conference, my son was wrestling as young men do in the backyard with his a friend, 
And uh, during that wrestling thing, he broke his arm. And uh, actually broke his wrist area and this whole, this arm wrist area. And uh, my wife, being the awesome wife that she is, brings him to, uh, uh, not a hospital, but it was a, help me, honey, a med center. She brings him to a med center. And uh, the med center misdiagnoses it. It's not broken. Just a bad sprain. It'll take care of itself. And uh, anyway, he's in pain. Why? It's twisted. It's it's not even healing right. It's, It's broke. And uh, so anyway, by this time, I'm, I come home, and I pray, I'm praying about it. This is what God wants you all to do. God, what's your plan in this? And God says, just, as, just like an orthodontist, and your parents paid for your teeth to be straightened, I'm going to straighten out his arm. Gave me the dream, gave me the picture, everything. that says, I'm going to straighten his arm out. How hard is it to go from here to hear. So for me, because I didn't, I wasn't in pain. It was easy for me to have that faith or easier. But my son, who was just a young boy at the time, and my wife, who's listening to his pain every night, it was hard for them to have that faith. They wanted it. I know my wife wanted to have it. I know, and yet she, at the same time, she's hearing her son, she's her mother figure, which she's the best mom ever. Anyway, so she's being this motherly figure. Well, what happened is, is I'm not attached to it. That's wrong of me. I wasn't up there praying with Nate, praying with her. I was just, I was this warrior. We got this thing. We already kicked the devil. We're ready to go. Next problem. This one's over. And every night she's up there praying. The problem hasn't gone away. There's, the winds and the waves are still tumultuous, going on and on. And so, because, and I want you guys to hear this, this has nothing to do with my wife. Because I'm an, I was at that time an insensitive man. I know it's really hard for you to believe that, but I was an insensitive man. I wasn't listening to her uh, unctions. I wasn't listening to her little prods. I had no idea what was really going on. And uh, I was just wanting to, you know, deal with the devil. It says, God's got this, and he's going he's to heal his arm. So one day... The Lord unctions me, and I just by this I just get that notion to call her. So I, I call her, and and I, I'm on the phone, and she's not she's not talkative. And if you know Brenda, that that's not Brenda at all. Okay, she's like quiet. And I go, "What's up?" You know, and she goes, "Well, I'm I'm on the way to the hospital, and I want you to be mad." Tells you about how insensitive I am. I don't want you to be mad, but um, I want to get this checked out. I said, it's all right. She goes, you mean that? I said, yeah, honey, just go to the doctor. We're good. We're good. Now, I had not known that she had already gone to the doctor before, okay, which tells me how insensitive I am. This is not Brenda's problem. This is mine. Okay, so if you want to talk to anybody, she's an amazing mom. So she had already gone before. They got x-rays. So... I find out, and I go, God, you promised. I'm fleecing you right now. They're going to go get x-rays, and you said you're changing this. So here we are. We're, time's going by. If we get new x-rays, and you are the God that I know you to be, then we're going to see it already 
change. So she gets x-rays again, and I prayed. I said, God, not because of Brenda, not because of Nate, but because of your, your word and your promise says. Now, let me just tell you something. Some people, what they'll do is, well, Pastor Ron believed for his army. God spoke that to me. You do not, you, listen, God doesn't give secondhand information. Even humanly, if, if somebody says something to me, and then I say something to somebody else, something's always lost in the conversation. And that's why I find many people don't get victory in God. They go, well, God did this for pastor, or God did this for so-and-so, God did this in the Bible, then, that, then that's exactly the God I know. No, you don't know that God. What you have is an acknowledgement of that God, but you don't own that. It takes time for it to get from here to here. And when you own that, then you pray that. And that's why many Christians don't have victory, because they're praying from here and not from here. When you got it down here, say, Father, help me know that I know that I know that I know. Do you see the story of Gideon? God was helping Gideon get it from here to here, not just burning the bridges, not burning the asher poles, not just that. Now he's going, now he's fleecing God. He's still, and then there's, later on in the story, we'll find out next week, we find out even, even still, Gideon's still having a struggle about victory. And, getting, and God gives him a whole, you got to come next week to find out. But I'm going to tell you something. God gives him a passage, a truth, because let me, God knows when you're struggling. He doesn't have a problem with your struggling. What he has a problem with is when you own the problem more than your own God that wants to help you through the struggle. God can't help somebody who owns the problem. God can only help somebody when they look to God who's going to bring them through the problem. And that may take a journey of 40 years. It may take a journey of 40 minutes. Whatever it's going to take. And I love the situation. Brenda went with Nate, got new x-rays, and the doctor looks at it and goes, that's a miracle. That does not happen. The arm doesn't straighten itself out. Nathan's arm is just as straight as the day it was born because God did it his way. Now, he could have been reset. A doctor could have done a great job and reset it. Even the doctor said, this is one place. But I was so thankful that my wife at that time, she goes, I'm seeing what, my, what God showed my husband. I'm going to stay that course and we're going to go that way. We've let me, God wants to do this with your life. Do you realize the whole point of these miraculous signs is so that somebody out in the world can smell and taste how good God is. God never does something so great in your life so that only you know. He does something so great in your life so that the world could know. That's what's called the gospel. It's called good news. Father, Thank you for being the God, being daddy that wants to lead us in triumph. Father, there's many battles in my life where I owned the problem and stopped reaching and owning how good you are. You are, we sing the song, you're good all of the time. But God, history in my life is that you are always good but many times, Father, it was just an acknowledgement in my head, but I never owned it in my heart. Father, forgive me for that. God, forgive us as a people 
that, Lord, we will grab at other places of refuge, other answers, other experiences. We'll own, God, our experience rather than own a supernatural, creative, majestic God that wants to do a new thing in our life. God, I pray that you help us see the newness of you rather than the oldness of us. Your head bowed and your eyes shut. If you're here this morning, I know that God is speaking to every one of us in different places. But I would like to speak to you specifically if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you're unsure of where you'd spend eternity. My wife and I almost got hit, just rear-ended this, this weekend. Another sister that just got hit by a semi. God, if our life were to pass, or if your life were to pass from this one to the next, and you don't own the understanding that you're in the Father's hands, whether you're up in heaven or whether you're here on earth, you're in the Father's hands. If you don't understand that, if you don't come to an acknowledgement and own that space that you are God's kid, all it takes is to surrender. And every day I surrender. From here on forth, you need to surrender. But it starts with the first one saying, I surrender my life in your hands. So I want all of us to pray this prayer right now in Jesus' name. Okay, Say, Father God, in Jesus' name, I surrender my life into your hands. I acknowledge, Lord Jesus, that you died on the cross for my sins. And I own that I could not do it for myself. So I surrender my heart, my future to you. In Jesus' name, I'm all yours. Amen. Let's stand up and worship our God together. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved. Ask for prayer. Share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.